And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. We are late. I don't care. We're trying it. One last time today. We literally just called Xfinity to get it fixed. The stream is working. Come hell or high water, we are doing this today. My name is Tyler Kuehl, the insider to the insiders, for another episode of The Kuehl Show. The coffee has been consumed. We are ready to bring you this amazing, hopefully, partially full-length episode right here on 12 Out Sports, right here on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, not Instagram, but Zingo TV, channel 761. We are going for it. The wife is watching something right now in the living room. We wanted to make sure we could do more than one thing because the point of having a great Wi-Fi, folks, is to make sure that I can do this and she can do that. Because guess what, kids? Because that's when we start doing the overtime shows here on TKS. That's when she gets mad. Then she can't watch stuff. So that's why we're making sure we can do both. But we are live. For now. <laughs> the light is green on the connection here on the out on the uh, OBS, the broadcast software that we use. And a lot of people actually use it here on 12 on Sports as well. Well, if we get through this episode, it is brought to you by our good friends at mybookie.ag down there at the bottom right. College basketball, both men's and women's. It's a little finicky. Baseball starting up here, too. It's a little bit crazy. Hockey's a absolute gong show, but it's fun and it's great. And you can bet on your favorite sports by using the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. Sign up, win, and get paid using mybookie.ag. As well as always, our awesome friends at Second String Leather Company up there in the corner. Got the shirt on today. Go on there and get your awesome Second String Leather swag at secondstringleather.com. Hashtag crafted. From the crates. And of course, as always, we have our own merchandise here at the Kuehl Show. Hashtag TKS Swagtacular merchandise. We have teespring.com slash stores slash the Kuehl Show with dashes between the and Kuehl and show. Make sure you check it out at teespring.com slash stores slash the Kuehl dash show. Now, now I will say this though. If you're like, but Tyler, we don't know exactly where to find that stuff. It's in the description. If you are watching the replay, of course, on the YouTube channel of The Kuehl Show, The Kuehl Show, and, of course, your favorite podcatcher, whether it be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We are literally anywhere there is podcasts. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Radio FM, your favorite weird, awkward, gong show-looking thing that you've probably never heard of. We're not on Spreaker because that's not the thing we go through. We go through SoundCloud here on The Kuehl Show, so that's where you'll find us if you're into that sort of thing. So, I'm sorry that if you're watching, I'm looking at my laptop a lot. I'm literally just staring at that green little light there. We literally, so here's how I'm going to explain this all to you. We got the Xfinity router, the new route or modem, a couple months ago, right? So, this is why it's a weird thing that the problems have happened recently. We literally tested it. We tested it before last week's show, or was tempted to be last week's show, obviously didn't work. We tested it yesterday, literally yesterday. I was in here. It wasn't like I was trying to, you know, I was streaming it from the living room right next to the modem. No, I was in the office here because the modem and the office are very separate from each other. Obviously, we want to make sure the TV out there works because, well, that's where we spend the majority of our time. We don't just sit in here. Now, yes, I have a TV in here that streams games. You don't have a game on right now, of course, because it's not quite seven o'clock yet. Now, that'll change, obviously, in the next few minutes. Regardless, 
So we tested it and all that stuff, and we tried it again today. I'm like, all right, let's make sure to just do a quick speed test, and we get nothing in here. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So we're live right now. We're going for it. We're going to try it. We're going to have Peyton Turnage on coming on later. Alabama Huntsville play-by-play man. He is watching the Bristol race right now. I unfortunately uh, do not have that up because I was trying to figure out how to work this dumb thing here. I may turn it on here in just a minute here in the office to see if we can actually do dual streams because we should be able to. That's what we paid for the plan, the subscription that we have for the internet in here. I'm starting to sound like Lewis Black. Yeah, that's probably why my hair doesn't look so good today because literally I was probably almost about to pull it out. Make sure we got everything working here. So regardless, we are live here today. We will talk about hockey, though. We'll probably talk with Peyton Turnage a little about the race as well because it's Bristol dirt for the first time ever. It was a little bit of an issue uh, getting the track ready to go for the races, though, today and tomorrow. However, they are racing right now. We will be talking about the NCAA Hockey Regionals, an absolutely incredible weekend of hockey. couple of surprises. Three Minnesota teams in the Frozen Four. Remember, we talked with Joe Micheletti if you listened to our show last week. We talked about it, and guess what? We are uh, kind of shocked that it actually happened with a couple teams. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about the Isabel Cup Finals. We'll talk about the Boston Pride winning their second-ever championship, the first team to ever achieve the feat. And we'll talk about a referee that may or may not be suspended. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But regardless, let's get things started here with the big news that came out of last week. Tim Peel, referee Tim Peel, great guy. At least, you know what, from what I've always, whenever I've seen him, whenever he's ref games for the Leafs or whenever I've watched him, he's done an okay job. Hasn't done, you know, he's not like Bill McCreary or Wes McCauley or Paul Dvorsky. You know, he is not the legend. He's not a legendary referee. Now, granted, yes, this was his last season, 20th season in the league refing. But he was going to go out and do... Pretty much what every other ref gets. The final game in April with his crew that he wants to work with and whatnot. And the players come up and give him a pat on the back for their work, even though not every guy agrees with the calls that these, these refs make. It's more or less a, hey, you know what? Thanks for putting up with us. Here's a pat on the butt. Congratulations. So now, yes, he was not. he's not one of the A-team, if you will. He's not a member. He's not the upper echelon of officials in this league. However... Problems came to be this past week. Nashville and Detroit, a game that 95% of us probably don't care about. Now, yes, we got Peyton Turnage coming on later. My father is a Red Wings fan. But regardless, we thought to ourselves, you know, what could what's such a big deal about this game? And then literally everything started to go sideways. Now, the reason why it's such a big deal, folks, is because of the fact that I, it, 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 yep, 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 yep. Oh, by the way, hi, Rando. Yes, welcome to the Comcast Club. I've been part of the Comcast Club. That's how we were running the Wi-Fi for this entire time, because Comcast, for the most part, has great Wi-Fi connection. However, (laughs) over the past three weeks, we have struggled mightily, and that is an understatement here, because we like doing this live. That's the reason why we started doing this live, was because, hey, we got breaking news, or, you know, we have a game on, and, oh, my goodness, we watch this, or when Andre Palat, scores a goal in the playoffs after I call it that he was going to score the first goal of the hockey game against Boston, and I call it, and I get to have stupid reactions. For those that don't remember, go back to the playoffs when we were doing two shows a week at that point. Alex and I were doing a show together, and I just started screaming when Andre Plot scored because I was actually right on a prediction, which 
doesn't happen often. So anyways, back to the Tim Peel saga here. And I, so, so here's the thing about Tim Peel. The game's going on and they're going to commercial break. And what I've heard multiple stories, but the one I've heard the most is that someone in the production truck for Fox Sports, what was it Fox Sports Tennessee? I believe it was somehow did a mic test because they want to make sure that the mics for the refs, when they do call a penalty, it works on the broadcast. And they do it all the time. They do a quick test. They turn the mic on, whatever. It, it happens quite frequently. If you're ever actually in production for a broadcast, they will test your mics. I know when I would do games at Ferris State for Bulldog TV, we end up, we would probably, Bulldog Sports Network, excuse me, our mics would probably be on, I think, about 15 minutes live or before the before we even start the broadcast on the radio let alone when we were doing our actual stream for Flow Hockey TV. Now, I, and Randall says, he's, Randall, if you guys are in the YouTube chat right now on the live feed here on 12 Ounce Sports, Randall is a Preds fan and loving the Tim Peel stuff. Now, the, so let me get to what he says here because obviously we got to get to this point. Now, yes, if you, if you are a hockey fan, you are probably in the upper 1% if you are tuning into this show. You probably know what already happened, but for those, I'm just going to assume that I, the best thing I can ever do on this show is assume that everyone lives under a rock and all they ever do is watch and listen to the Kill Show with the inside of the insiders, Tyler Kiel. Now, I know that's not true because let's be honest, I would hope you guys would not waste your time like that. But regardless, here is the story. So Tim Peel, they go to break second period. If I'm not mistaken off the top of my head, this is like I said, this was over. This was almost a week ago. I think that would happen Tuesday night. Tuesday night, it literally made everyone's podcast by the end of the week and every other show that I listened to, 31 Thoughts, Hockey Central, all that kit and caboodle and a half. So, Tim Peel, his mic gets turned on right as they're going to break. For some reason, the broadcast engineer, because sometimes you ever watch, especially regional games, you see this a lot, where it seems like they don't go to break right away. It just seems like the out, the out cue starts going and going and going. The broadcasters are done talking, but they're showing a clip or a highlight. That must have been what happened here in this case with Fox Sports Tennessee. They keep it going, and all of a sudden you hear Tim Peel. I don't have the audio, unfortunately, ready for me. But he says, long story short, paraphrasing, of course, I wanted to give Nashville, it wasn't much, but I wanted to give Nashville a blanket penalty earlier. And here is the thing. First period. Thank you very much, Rando. My thing about that is because people all of a sudden just lost their minds. And there was the, I swear, guys, this was far more of a split. This was pretty much the epitome of looking at your political views. Everyone was either one side or the other. There was no gray area. At least, at least the people that lost their minds on Twitter and social media, was, it was either one or the other. There was no one down the middle. So let me explain my point, what he, what he means here, Tim Peel. Referees, and if you've ever watched a hockey game, they try to call the game down the middle. They want to make sure they don't call it unfairly one way or whatnot. For the last, I'm trying to think of how long hockey's been around, last forever, the majority of refs try to make sure that each team gets their fair shake. And by that, I mean each team gets the similar number of power plays. Now, I listened to the Steve Dangle podcast last week while I was driving, and Adam Wilde made a point. He went over the, like the last 20 games, NHL games that had gone on, and 
only three had a penalty differential of more than one. And listen, guys, here's the thing about this. The, The outcry from the people that had a problem with what Tim Peel said was, you're telling me you do this on purpose. You call penalties because of what? Because of the fact that you want it to be even. Rando says, game managing, big, dumb, and should be punished. Okay, so what what Rando means by game management is what I'm explaining, is what Tim Peel does. The fact of having it making sure that each team gets the same amount of power plays. Now, I have called games before at multiple different levels, high school, college, semi-professional, where the penalties have been one-sided. I have reported on games that have been one-sided. Now, yes, it does not happen often because officials don't want to be feel like they are calling so many penalties on one team and not the other. Unless, literally, you see a team just absolutely start hacking and slashing every chance they get. Because in that case, I have seen penalties ramp up towards one side because one team gets incredibly frustrated. What everyone's losing their minds about is the fact that why are they not calling the game like it's supposed to be? Now, to their point, I agree with that side of things. And having played the game myself, because a lot of people that really, there was, now yes, there were people that had played the game before Matt Duchesne being one right now had come out and said that, yes, the official should call the game like it's supposed to be, like in the rule book. Now, I I don't want to lose my cool right away on that retrospect, because here's the thing. Having played it, and I knew, and I had, I don't want to say I had great relationships with the referees all the time. Because there were some refs where I would literally yell at them and say, if you want to call a penalty next time, I'll make sure you call a penalty next time. But that's because of the makeup call. Now, what does that have to do with this case with Tempe? Like I said, the, the people that had a problem with it came to say, you should call it like the way you see it. Now, having played the game, I understand what the refs are doing. Having refereed myself, now granted, yes, at the men's league level, but then again, if you've ever done a men's league tournament in your life, they are just as competitive as your Saturday morning squirts and peewees game. So I digress. I'll say that. I'll leave you at that, folks. But when you're trying to officiate a game, you want to make sure that, A, you don't want to be the GOAT. Because if you play a game, this is why you see a lot of the NHLers that are currently playing and former guys come out saying the refs are just doing their job. Because here's the thing. If you... The only time you ever see people have humongous problems with officiating is if it's an egregious missed call that costs some team the game or there are penalties that are fairly one-sided. How many times have you heard the the point at the officials when it's a power plays are 3-3? Like I said, unless it's like late in the game and the goaltender gets ran over because Corey Perry lost his balance and fell and fell into Cam Talbot. Now, yes, Ducks and Oilers fans, I'm giving you for that one. But regardless, but going back to the point, I understand both sides of the story. I am the gray area here because having played the game, I understand what it's like when you just see the fact like, you know what? I get, you know what? That could have been a penalty, but power plays are 3-3. Three, three. They're 4-3 right now. And it's the third period or whatnot. Like there, there are times when you want to see the calls just be even. Let some stuff go. 
if as long as it's not like egregious or if it's terrifying, terrifyingly di- separate. But at the same token, when I do see a hook that goes uncalled, yeah, you're right. I was at the Michigan State High School Athletic Association state championship games this weekend. I, first of all, I was told before the broadcast, do not go off go after the officials because A, I'm working for the MHSAA calling these broadcasts, which are the ones that are paying the officials to run these games. And there were a couple calls that yeah, may have gone missed. However, power plays in the game were all even. Now, that is because of the, and none of us had a problem with it up in the booth because A, championship and semifinals, guys. You don't want the refs to determine those games. They did not affect the way the game ended. Power, each team got, a, I think in the final, each team had a power play goal that I called. I think there was three power plays for the team that lost, two for the team that won, okay? And there were calls that were missed on both sides. And, not, and it wasn't like a head check or whatever or something like that or a guy got hauled down on a breakaway that was missed. It was a, oh, this guy got held on the boards a little bit too long, or, oh, that kind of kid kind of got stumbled into a little bit, kind of tripped him up a little bit. I don't have a problem with it. And here's the thing about, to the people that are, in, deservedly so, like I said, I see it from both sides. I'm really good at seeing this thing from both sides of the line. Maybe this is the reason why I never vote for anything anymore. But, I see why people want the game to be called by the rule book. But here's the thing. Here's something in having talked to many people that have played the game, having talked with former coaches about this. I talked with a couple of my coaches at Davenport that I played for. We talked about this and we said, if, could you imagine, especially at the collegiate level, the junior hockey level, in the professional level, how many penalties would be called if the rule book was called to a T? The game would take five hours. There would be 25 power plays. There'd be a penalty just about every shift. Now, yes, when I do high school games, high school hockey is, I think, if you ask me, is just really like the last stage of youth hockey, just the way it's called, the way parents are especially and whatnot. Now, yes, high school hockey maybe is a little bit more fan base because of student sections and whatnot, but I, I remember I did a game. I went from one night doing a game at Davenport University, and the next night I worked with Harrison Watt doing a Ferris State game. The game is night and day. ACHA for me is this glorified high school hockey with a college degree attached to it. But going to an NCAA game and the hacks and the slashes, the hooks, the little holds, the little bumps for interference, the picks and all that, those would all be called, kids. However, they're not going to get called when there's no other penalties getting called. Now, yes, let, I, let's just say Ferris State has three power plays in the game. Bemidji State has two. Ferris State runs a pick that off a of faceoff that may have gotten missed early in the game. However, a power play needs to be evened up. Does Ferris State get angry? Yes, but that's how it is. That's the rule. Now, yes, you want it to be called consistently. And that's where I'm going to say this. Why game managing is a big deal is because if you're going to call it like that in the first period, you should call it like that in the third period. Now, yes, I have seen instances, of course, where that is not necessarily the case, especially with the four-referee system, or the two-ref system, excuse me, four officials on the ice, I mean. I like to see the game called the same for whoever's calling it. If, you, if the ref is going to let a slash go in the first period, you got to let it go in the third period. If there was a call that they made, and that's why the makeup call is such a big deal. 
because, oh man, that was a hook, wasn't it? That was definitely a hook. It probably was. But they missed it. Okay. Next time an infraction happens, they're going to, and especially, let's just say Detroit Nashville here. Let's go with this. Victor Arvidsson hooks a guy. They miss it. Tim Peel misses it. I, this is all hypothetical, okay? I don't remember exactly the play at the exact time. I, I do remember there was a penalty with Victor Arvidsson, but I'm just going to go with a hypothetical here. Next time Arvidsson does something or a Predator does something, he calls it right away. Okay. Does Detroit have a problem with it? No, because they got one call to go their way. They missed one, they got one. Okay, perfect. Was penalty two less than penalty one or maybe not as egregious? Probably. However, they got their power play. Now, in the scheme of things, if penalty number two was not really that apparent and the ref was looking for that call, but they let it go, Detroit's still unhappy because why? They didn't get a power play in general. The reason why you saw so many NHL coaches, so many NHL players. Oh, Rando needs to call in on this. All right, let's get, you know what? Let's let's get our good buddy Rando here. Let's do this. Uh, let me see if I can, uh, where is he at here? Let me give him, let me give him the phone number here. There you go. Rando, it's, it's in your DMs, friend. The phone line is open. By the way, talking Myers tonight with the Rando is going to have phone lines open for you, so be sure to tune in that at 8.30 here on 12-Ounce Sports. Ready for you, Rando, whenever you are ready. I do apologize if you just call or if you just sent that about five minutes ago. I do apologize about that. So he's going to call in here in just a moment, possibly, unless unless he chickens out. If he does, I hope I hope he doesn't chicken out because I, I, I'm probably going to mention to talk about this with Peyton Turnage as well. And now, making his first appearance, appeared on his show a couple times. He is making his first appearance here on the Kewl Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The, mi- the Talking Miners with the Rando. It's the Rando. Rando, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, I, I just have to say, your little gray area. Now, okay, I'm not trying to be mean because I, I'll be very honest. I'm, you're my age. You've seen the Matrix, right? Yep. Okay, so you know the red pill and the blue pill. Yes, sir. You, you know all that. I'm past that. I am on like the black pill on officials. I am like, let Watson, you know, the AI from um, uh, IBM, just let him take over. Let the computer make the calls. The humans are completely done. I am just done with human officials. I am that done with everyone. I hear you. So I'm like, just, I, it's the Tim, this, this Tim pill stuff has just made me officially go, all right, just end it all. We don't need humans in the game. Just let the players be the only humans. So to that, Rando, I ask this because, like I said, and I see, like I said, I see it from both sides. I see it from the fan side, the the folks that want the game to be called by the book, and I get that. But having played it, I see it from that side as well. Now, the thing to why I say this is, do you think, I guess, a computerized system would be more efficient? Because we've seen it where, and I know I'm going to make a, a multi-sport reference here. I'm going to kind of change gears, go to baseball here there has been the computerized strike zone that we've seen some in the lower minor leagues that has been a little on edge and a little bit iffy with the players and managers at those leagues that have been trying it. Do you think it could work in such a high-speed game like hockey? That's, I think, the big question is if we wanted to go to an AI system, would it be able to keep up with the pace of play? Whereas baseball is very stationary, pitch, strike, pitch, hit, run, or whatever. Do you think it could work 
in hockey because I just don't see it. I still think you need officials on the ice with whistles that that did read the rule book and at some points have to have a discretion of the play. Right. I, I, I'm not saying fully like rip out everyone to fight yet. Uh, baseball, as we're seeing it happen live uh, in this very moment, it's climbing up the ranks where it's uh, starting in. It wasn't even minor leagues. It was the independent league. So that just happened to be partnered with the MLB. We're seeing it where it's being implemented. It's, it's basically being trained where we are training a system to learn the game and learning how to make the calls. So I think if you start with something like put in the FPHL, uh, create the AI, show it the rule book, start training it. Within five years, I think you could have a system that could work with a fast-paced game like hockey compared to baseball. And that's and that's going to be the tough part in all this. And I and the thing is, I and then of course last night there was a missed call against the Bruins and Devils and Jack Edwards. And I have my piece on Jack Edwards. I've gone after him many a time on this program and in other outlets, but. He calls out the refs and saying, like, at a time like this, after Tim Peel and, you know, you miss a call like that and whatnot. And to his point, yes, there was a missed call. And and I, I don't want to say that this is going to change officiating forever. I think that's one thing I think some people got to realize that this won't affect forever. Now, yes, the refs are going to be on their they're going to try to be on their best behavior right now, but. There has been guys that have called game that have ref games forever. And I mean, look at Bill McCreary back in the day, Paul. And nowadays you have Kelly Sutherland and Wes McCauley. There's no way they've ever called a perfect game before. They've all missed calls. They've done those even up calls that I talked about earlier. I, I just don't see it. I, I feel like there's going to be maybe a big meeting at the end of this year. I don't think it's something that's going to change overnight or you know, like the Sean Avery from that we saw back in the 07 playoffs. I don't think this is going to be an overnight change, but I feel like going into next season, or maybe even especially going into the playoffs, where even though historically the rule book has been burned at the stake and then put some more oil on it and then throw it up into a pit, light it on fire again, because that's how playoff rules are. But I feel like the game, the way officials run the, or will call the game, I think that will change soon. Not tomorrow not tonight not next week but soon because i feel like now with the the backlash the the officials got on this i think rando and i'm pretty sure you can test this as well it's gonna change for the better now that the refs have a big spotlight on top of them um i might disagree with you on that because uh, i i've seen some people and i think it might be kind of fair that said the nhl used tim peels a scapegoat that could be true i i am on the side where i'm like Hopefully this leads to change because I I am hoping my fingers are crossed that this is the present where if you're caught making a mistake this big if you basically well let's I mean let's be honest also Tim Phil basically was caught on a hot mic saying I'm planning to call a penalty on Nashville you cannot get away with that uh, I think we have to be perfectly honest with that yeah and so it's gonna it's going to be have to be this perfect storm of events again to I think really cut, um, move the NHL to go. Clean house. We got to take, we got to move everyone. Everyone's gone from the building. We just have to put some new people in where they're going to follow the rule book. We're not going to have these moments of makeup calls and stuff like that because it, guess what? It does nothing but hurt the game. Call the game straight, even if it's unfair to one team. That's my, that's my stance right there. 
And I will say this for the lot of people that remember the year after the the year long lockout, the 0506 season, there were penalties called up the wazoo and everything. It was insane how many penalties were called. Now, yes, the penalties came down after that because the league was like, all right, this is a little bit crazy, guys. And you're right. Maybe we do need to change house. And yes, Tim Peel was used as the scapegoat. That's why they didn't fire him. They just suspended him because it was his last season. Now, obviously, he's not going to call any more games. I don't know if the league's going to turn back on that because it's a big thing for officials to get that last game in. But I think the biggest problem I have with this rando, and I don't know what your feelings are, I'll ask you about it in a second. But the fact of the matter is that the way people reacted in the fact of, you know, oh, my gosh, you're telling me these guys haven't called the game fairly this entire time. If you are, and unless you are a completely casual fan, that that I'll understand. If you only watch like the NBC game of the week, you only watch so often, you don't find, you don't look at the fine details. The refs have called this game just like this, just for about the entire history of the sport. And that's my thing about it. Maybe that's why I have the biggest problem with the people that are attacking, officiating, and going after refs and all that. It's like, they've been doing this forever. And I get it. Yeah, some people have problems with it, but this massive backlash because of it and saying like, what do you mean you guys haven't called the game like this? It's been going on forever. And, and I, and I, like I said, that's why I get where they're coming from, but to have that blind eye or maybe just to be naive to it, that's maybe what got me on edge. What do you think, Rando? Um, yeah, I think there's some blindness, but also I think it's also, uh, the fury of a thousand sons by fans who feel like their team has been screwed. I mean, let's be honest. We can think of all the blown calls. I mean, remember the off. Remember when called the Colorado Avalanche were just terrible that one year. Let's see, was it 2016, 2017? Remember that awful on offsides goal that Chicago was allowed. I mean, it's little things like that. It's like, really, you're allowing these things, and it's right in front of you. The announcers are saying it, everyone's saying it, and yet it takes someone admitting it on a hot mic to finally just do it, and that's just. It's upsetting. And I, and I, and that's what I understand is I get that there's missed calls. Trust me. I've, I've seen a plenty. And that's the, that's the one thing about social media these days too, is that, and I, I heard from another podcast that has a couple of elder gentlemen said, imagine if this was 1996 where you have to read about it and you have to maybe see a picture of Tim Peel saying something on the air. Whereas now, you know, we have our good friends at world hockey report here on 12 ounce sports along with, by the way, we're talking with, the rando from talking Myers with the rando, which will be on here in about an hour 15 here on 12 ounce sports right after we finish up here with this abbreviated episode of TKS. <laughs> I, they were the first, that's where I first saw the first clip was from world hockey report. They do a really good job. Follow them at world hockey report on Twitter and Instagram. But I, and that's where the thing, it exploded. Had this been 15 years ago, probably we'd may hear about it from, someone else from someone else from someone else. Like, Hey, did you hear what Tim Peel said last night? No. Well, check this out. And they sh- show up in a newspaper, a newspaper kids, by the way, is a, uh, a multi page piece of paper. where you used to read those articles that you click on those clickbait things you find on Facebook. Yeah. They used to be actually in print and well, in some spaces <laughs> they still are here in West Michigan. Eh, not really, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think in a different era, maybe there were, and there's probably so many missed calls. And one that always comes to my mind, there, there was a play that happened back in the, oh gosh, it was the nineties. Cause Ed Belfort was in goal for Chicago. It was a goal that the Winnipeg jets won an overtime game on. I think it was a playoff game where it was a blatant hand pass. Like the guy caught the puck with his catch with his bare hand and threw it into the net. 
and the goal the goal counted, the goal stood. Chicago tried to literally attack the ref on the ice. Daryl Sutter, who was coaching Chicago at the time, that's how old Daryl Sutter is, guys. He literally mm-hmm. ran across the ice to go after him. And the video is up there because A, it's been actually on Rockham's Don Cherry Rockham Sockham's, but I'm saying it's like the calls have been missed for an extremely long time. Now, Buffalo Sabres fans, they look at the 99 final, look at Brett Hall, and they say, uh, exhibit A. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, calls will be missed. Calls will go down in history of being horrible calls. I just don't, and I, I, to the point that I'm going to wrap it up here with Tim Peel, I get where everyone's mad about the calls that, the makeup calls, the game management. Rando, I just don't know if it will change forever i just i think you'll, oh, I, i'm with you on that yeah then that's the hard part is and i get that some people are like oh my gosh but it's got to change and there will be rest that will call the game by the book but in the in the nhl's eyes i don't know if they'll ever make that full jump to where it's like all right every penalty is going to be called like it's written down here in our rule book no matter how thick it is I just don't know if it will happen. It may be like a knee-jerk reaction will happen for a little bit, but then they'll go back to their old ways, and then it'll be another knee-jerk reaction again, and they'll go back to the old days because that's just how I think the game just does that little bit of cycle. They, all right, everyone's happy. There's a lot of penalties, and let's just go back to golf in the game we have, and then back around again and around and around and around. That's how I think it's going to be, Rando. Uh, I'm, I, I think the the issue is the NHL needs to have a system. If you screw up, you are punished. I mean, we do we have this for players, even though it's a bit of a joke. Department of Player Safety, the the probably the NHL's biggest joke. It, it, here's my idea for a system. I call it five strike system. I was talking with some people about this. First offense, warning. Second offense, one game suspension. Third offense, three game suspension. Fourth game, one month suspension. Fifth strike, you're fired. I mean, just doing that, I think you could probably heal a lot of wounds right there. Just have to treat the officials like the players. That's why I've been saying for years, and I think it needs to apply. It would be interesting to see something like that. I know there's phone calls just about after every game with the officials to see, hey, why'd you make this call here? Why'd you do that? And I wonder if they would do something like that. I don't think it'd be as public, as public knowledge. Um, I, I mean, if the players are suspended for that long, they put everything out there, why not the officials? That's true. That is true. I think that'd be, it'll make it interesting. But then here's the thing though, that guy, their ref comes back and they, you know, there's a game between Columbus and Chicago and everyone's like, Oh gosh, we got this guy that just got suspended. Oh my goodness. How dare they? That, that would be an interesting thing about that is it would be public knowledge. And I think that'd be a lot more beneficial. And every, you talk about transparency in the league, I guess you're right there. I know that may be the, the path they need to take. Yeah. Uh, transparency is always good. I've said that for years. If you have an issue, put it out there. Just let everyone know because you don't, I mean, I'm scared that one day we're going to have to be talking about, Hey, are you guys ready for the uh, government, uh, the Senate hearing about uh, sports betting and how an official call to uh, put some bets down? I mean, we know that's all coming. Uh, A lot of people have said that has nothing to do with it, but Tim Donahue caught a lot of people by surprise. I listen in the world we are in today, Rando. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm hoping it's not true, but I wouldn't be shocked. I'll say that. Oh, it, that day is coming. It's going to be coming. I think within the next five years, I'm going to make that call right there. All right. We have been talking here with the Rando on Talking Myers with the Rando. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to bring Peyton Turnage on from Alabama Huntsville, another <laughs> Preds fan. Hopefully, he's a little bit less disgruntled. 
about the Preds, not necessarily Tim Peel. We'll get his take on it as well. We'll also talk about the NCAA Regionals and the NWHL Isabel Cup. Randall, thank you very much for calling in and taking the time to yell and scream about officiating. It's fun, right? <laughs> oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Always fun to listen in to. And hey, if you're listening in, stay around. We might get to talk about it on my show, special call-in edition in about, let's see, hour and 10 from now. So be sure. Tune in for that. Talking Miners with the Rando every Monday night on 830. He's been able to get live. We have barely been able to, but we're live today with the Rando. He'll be live here, like I said, 830 here on 12 on Sports. Rando, it's been a pleasure, man. All right. Thank you. All right. We'll be back with more of the Cula Show right after this. And welcome back, everyone, to the Cula Show here on Monday. We are still live. God bless it. So far, I mean, we've only been really live for an hour. Got the Leafs and Edmonton Oilers on the big screen right now, or the big screen, at least in this office, compared to my laptop, it's bigger. 1-1 right now with about 9.40 to go in the first period. We joined the game a little bit late because we had to finish up the that awesome conversation with Talking Miners, or the Rando from Talking Miners with the Rando. Now we're going to get into a little bit of Nashville Predators talk and a little bit of college hockey talk as well. With that, let's bring on the man. The myth, the legend. He's been here probably 250 times, but I can't really remember off the top of my head myself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how we doing? I got to think I've surpassed Harrison White by now, right? Uh, you're close. I know you're ramping up there. Harrison, Harrison's been big time in me. No, he's not been big time. He's been busy. He, listen, the winter sports season, actually this year especially, with all the fall sports getting shoved into the spring, especially at Ferris State, He's been a busy man, and I have not, and I I do not pity the man. Let me tell you, because like soccer now is in the spring, and they got all their other spring sports going on, softball and whatnot up at Ferris State. I don't pity the man one bit. He's a he's a busy bee, you know. <laughs> well, he can't be like us, Peyton, and just do just hockey. That's the thing, right? He's got to do like all the other sports and all the highlights for all the other sports. He can't be us, where it's just like, what? There's another sport we have at the school. Oh man, Pay- we have underwater basket weaving. Well, that's a sp- oh, dude. You know how cool of kind of a sport. Like, I don't see how call that be to how that be to call, but like at Davenport, we actually have a water polo team now. Unfortunately, they're only non varsity They're only they're going to their second year. But I'm just like that'd be really interesting to call. Apparently, I- apparently Harrison played water polo, which that kind of shocked me. I never pan him as a water polo guy. You tell that to his face. <laughs> I mean. I'm sure he kind of got the vibe when we were texting about it, but well, my, so my wife, it's funny. He actually coached high school after my wife graduated from high school. She used to actually play water polo at the same high school that he coached at water polo. Like that's one of my sports. I love watching come Olympic time is water polo and, and handball because they're just, it's, it's exciting. It's fun to watch. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm one of those people that will watch it. I could watch it like any other time of the year, but it's fun when it comes to the Olympics. I don't know about you. It was fun when uh, Doc Emmerich called water polo in 2012 in yes. London. Yes, and Pierre Maguire was doing his thing, running up and down the side of the pool, talking to the coaches and the players, doing his annoying getting up close and personal interviews they like to do and all that. But, hey, you know what? I guess if you're going to go NBC, you got to do it fully, right? Eating uh, eating corn dogs. Oh, gosh. Man, I, it's it's interesting. I, I will say this. I, I don't want to say there's like uh, – Oh, it's the same thing as hockey because they go both they go down you know down the playing surface and they shoot on a goal. It's it's a different kind of game. There's 
different rules and whatnot, and you kind of need to know the terminology. But then again, Doc Emmerich is Mr. Preparation, and he knows literally he. When he got the when the red light came on in London when he had to start doing the Olympics, he knew exactly what he was doing and no one was shocked whatsoever they did a good job. I am much the opposite of Doc Emmerich. I'm I'm so used to calling ACHA games where I don't know who's playing and I have to write down everybody on the sheet like five minutes before puck drop and just kind of call what I see. Uh yeah, he's um I need to definitely take a page out of his book. I, I will say this. By the way, Austin Matthews just scored for the Leafs. It's 2-1 Toronto now. Who would have thought Toronto scored? And it's their it's their next-gen game, so they're putting up, like, funny graphics when they score. They just put up Poppy goal for Austin Matthews because he's El Poppy. That's his nickname. Peyton, why don't they do that for more teams? Why don't they do those flashy graphics like the Nickelodeon football broadcast that they did this season? Uh, oh, God. I really don't want to talk about graphics because... It was a rough season for your boy at UAH. Um, oh, yeah. Our streams, now, I don't know, it's not really anything to blame anybody on. You know, I think it's actually an improvement over the past, but our streams, the video feed was actually what the fans would see on the Jumbotron, so it was very graphic-laden. Yeah. And every game I knew I was going to get a flood of tweets of people complaining. Yep. So, uh, yeah. But uh, that said, uh, you know, Toronto... They're always the team on the cutting edge. They're, you know, it's the hockey capital of the world. So I'm sure I'm sure there'll be uh, trendsetters in that regard. But uh, it's going to be tough for other teams to come along because hockey is such a uh, traditionalist old boy sport. That is true. And the reason why they do it for the next gen games, because typically the next gens would be played during the day. So like the school kids could go to the games or whatnot. And to your point, Peyton, because I watch your games on Flow Hockey TV there people that were people that were commenting on the tweets. I didn't really want to have a snapback with them because I'm not the biggest I, I like to make jokes with people on Twitter. I don't like to attack people, which is why I've calmed down on John Jensen on your behalf. I, 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 I You told me to stop doing that, so I did. Let, let you two guys figure it out yourselves. But to what I, to my, to the reaction I have or to the response, if anyone's ever watched an AHL TV feed or in Canada, like the OHL feeds or the WHL feeds, most of those streams are literally what you see on the Jumbotron in the arena. And that's why I don't think people quite understand is that that's not just, you know, at UAH, that's literally just about everywhere. They hook up the feed up to the board and they, that's how they get the streams. And I like, even when we did the flow hockey broadcast at the GLI through Ferris state, the, the feed that you saw was the feed that everyone else saw there at little Caesars arena. That's how it is for a lot of teams. Cause a, it's a little bit cheaper and B, you know, it, it gives you the same angles and, you get to hear the broadcast. You get to watch the game. Now, yes, you get to see random people eating pretzels in the crowd, but that's just how it goes. Well, the problem with UAH this year, and again, I think this is something that's going to be addressed in the offseason. The, the whole mantra with the season overall for UAH is let's just get through this year and then we'll figure this out. You know, COVID kind of threw a curveball and everything and then being stripped down to only seven home games, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff. But anyway, um, the problem, too, was that every stoppage they had to throw up the make some noise graphic repeatedly. And that got pretty, you know, uh, that got pretty old. And then uh, sometimes they would use the on ice camera angle too much. They would be looking down at the other end 200 feet. I should mention, too, you know, we've been talking about Harrison. He actually had to call two Ferris games on the radio from his house. Yes, I do remember and he that. he had to use the UEH feed for that. So I feel bad for the guy. And I've been. I've been begging him to release his living room tapes and he won't do it. 
Well, it's funny because his living room is bigger. I actually did call one game from home due to there was some tracing issues, or whatever. So I had to call a game from home once. And I tell you, it's it's different. And I and do I say I'm like, oh, people do all the time for ESPN and whatnot. I'm like, yes, when you get five monitors sent to your house, I'm pretty sure you can call a game. Whereas us ACHA guys where it's that one little camcorder going back and forth through a screen and through like 720p quality through the netting at the glass and whatever. It's a little tough. And and I will say this, because when you, as soon as you said that the, the low angle camera was used too much, I still remember the Ferris UAH game, the one that the Chargers won in overtime, the game winning goal we saw from the corner, which thankfully the puck had come to that side of the ice. So you got to see it there. So it actually worked out okay. But I'm like, could you imagine if it was on the other end of the rink? That would have been awful. And I want to say the sound was just a little bit ahead of the video too on, on the winning goal. Well, you know what, Peyton, you just got to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> yes, man. I was on uh, I was on cloud nine that night. I, I don't know if that's the best game I've called, but it's definitely top two or three. I will say this. The problem with being a broadcaster, and you, you and I actually just got, talked about it before. Like, I think because you listened to one of my games because you know, a couple of your guys from Nashville Junior Predators program played for Aquinas College up here in the ACHA level. And we talked about one of my broadcasts and I'm like, I did. And I we both agreed that. I, well, I said that I sucked. You said I was very on top of things. By that, we all mean I have a motor mouth if I get going too much. I actually ended up doing that for one of the games for the state championships I did this past weekend. And let me tell you, you it's easy to get very excited. And all of a sudden, you may be enunciating every word properly. You may be saying anything right. But then you realize that you're going a mile a minute and nobody understands you. And that's when the calls get a little overbearing. Maybe that's that, when you uh, become an auctioneer. Oh, man. I My first season of doing lacrosse, I literally, because they moved the ball so quickly, and I wanted, for some reason, I felt the need to say literally every player's name that touched the ball. And especially when on a man-up opportunity, when they're moving the ball, ringing around, I say ring around the rosy now, just so I don't have to worry about saying everyone's names. They move it around quickly like that, quick touch pass, touch pass, touch pass. It's like, and there's Riley down to, John, to LaRock, to Johnson, to LaRock, to Johnson. And they're just going back and forth, and I'm like, and my brother looked at me, and he's like, Tyler, you are an auctioneer right now. You are not calling this game. <laughs> I have I have yet to call a game that's not hockey. I'm um, you know, I've had some ambitions of calling basketball, baseball, auto racing, and uh, the right opportunity hasn't quite come around yet. I I want to do basketball so desperately. I want to get good at it, but I'm afraid I'm going to be too hockey centric in the way I do it. So I work with a gentleman, or worked. Unfortunately, he was part of the holiday cuts, as we like to call him, over at our radio station. His name is Brian Fongers. He was a hockey guy first, like us. And he wanted to start doing high school football games and football and hockey. And just from me, just kind of call it, I've never officially called a football game, but I like to, you know, joking, we're sitting around the TV and here's a pass on the right side. It is caught for a first, like just joking around doing it, like just to be annoying. But it's a still a completely different game because instead of, you know, the play is going on, you can, you can throw in a stat, but you understand the play is going on. And then next thing you know, you have to kind of jump back in where it's football, snap, handoff, three yard tackle. 30 seconds and you have to fill time. It's so different. You can't go a mile a minute. Like you would be hockey. You can't, you know, constantly be talking. You kind of have to let the game breathe. And, and the best way I can describe it is I think the best way to have people describe how to call. If you're a hockey guy or an up-tempo game, like lacrosse guy, and you want to slow it down to football or basketball, learn to call baseball. 
because man, Peyton, you have to go from, you know, drag strip quarter mile, uh, you know, going up against John Force to sitting on the beach, just having a Corona and pacing yourself to make sure you don't scare the crap out of the listener. Because that's the difference. Those in the water, ass in the sand. Yes, uh, it's it's so different. Play by play talk here with Tyler and Peyton Turnage here on the Keel Show today. Peyton, let's talk some hockey. Let's do that. Eh? Or actually, um, uh, you were watching the actually. No, let's mention this. You're watching the Bristol race before you came on the show today. The Bristol Dirt Race, a race that some people were having issues with because uh, uh it rained a little bit in Tennessee over the past weekend, eh? Uh, just uh, you know, a little trickle. Well, um, let's... no, uh, no flooding, no tornadoes, <laughs> none of that, none, you know. Yeah, no, no tornadoes, no rain, but yet Jamie Little was describing the track conditions in the parking lot in a flood. <laughs> it got crazy, man. It got uh, flooded big time around Bristol Motor Speedway. It flooded big time in Nashville, uh, of course, where I used to live, and there were some familiar roads that I remember uh, trekking across and uh, pretty well underwater. And then uh, I was actually in northwest Tennessee Saturday night with my family. We were on our way back home. And uh, didn't know until we saw all the skies darken and realized that we, uh, if we had continued on the path that we were going on, we were going to get hit by a very large and destructive tornado that had just crossed the river. <laughs> so that was fun to find out on the fly. Man, that would have, gosh, you'd live in your own Twister movie. You got to have to call up Philip Seymour Hoffman's ghost and be like, Phil, what do we do? For all you fans that remember the movie Twister back in the 90s. <laughs> Bill Paxton's ghost too. Bill Paxton's ghost too. Gosh, that movie was, that movie came out in 96, 25 years ago. Peyton, we are old. You're older than I am. And I feel old. I'm, I'm having a hard time coming to grips with it, man. I got all my friends are, you know, they're married and have kids and it just, I just, I can't accept it, man. I'm about to say, I, I, well, I don't know, dude. Have you, have you had a chance yet to watch the new, my, the first episode of the new Mighty Duck series yet? Disney Plus there? I'm a little on the uh, broke side, and I actually canceled ah. my Disney bundle for the time being. But Come on! <laughs> uh, I, I plan on catching up on that uh, and The Mandalorian sometime soon. Uh, you know what, Peyton? I'll, I'll send you this stuff. I watched the first episode, and I'm first thing I did was like, I was, I was nervous because I'm like, all right, how... How old school Mighty Ducks are we going to get here for this? And I'll tell you right now, not they are they're really going for a new generation of Mighty Ducks, and I am and I can I can go with that because it makes it makes it makes it fresh, makes it interesting. You don't want to have all these rehashes and reboots; it gets annoying after a while. So, uh, Mister Ducksworth is very much an afterthought. You're saying? I think he's very much dead, <laughs> at least in the eyes of the series, because. Gordon Bombay is not in legal uh, team at all. He is looking old. Then again, I'm pretty sure Emilio Estevez is like, oh, hey, a paycheck. That's nice. I think about what Patrice O'Neill got rest his soul. Patrice O'Neill said at the Charlie Sheen roast. This was right before Patrice died. Pretty much the last thing he said before he died. Talking about Emilio Estevez, he was like, here he is. He's the one that did everything right, and his career is over. <laughs> Which is, uh, well, let's, yeah, let's be honest. I'm trying to think of since the last Mighty Ducks movie, what Emilio Estevez has done. And the only thing I can think of is now the revamped Mighty Ducks and one episode of Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen, his brother. Oh, God. I, uh, 
I watched too much of that show when I was a kid just because I thought because 14 year old Tyler loved all the, you know, the, the adult jokes on sitcom television. So he watched it. And was like, Oh, Hey, that's Gordon Bombay. I just, I'm the youngest of two brothers, younger of two brothers. I don't know. I just felt some kind of brotherly pain hearing that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. All right, let's get to the hockey here, Peyton. So I don't know. You and I were we and I were talking a little bit off air before when I randomly texted you yesterday asking if you want to come on the show. They've been watching more of the basketball tournament than the hockey tournament, and I understand that March Madness is a real big deal, and it's been exciting because literally there have been almost more upsets this year. And I'm pretty sure there's been as, I mean, I don't know how many double digits are in the, still in the Elite Eight, but there's a lot more than there usually are, right? Uh, absolutely. Let me see. I'm actually on my cell phone. I'll probably have to be put on speaker uh, to, to look at it. All, all I can say is my, my bracket is pretty well torn apart, although my championship game is still intact. I've got Michigan and Baylor. Well, and not, by the grace of God, they're still in it. Now you jinxed it. Now it's over. <laughs> now Michigan's really. And it's funny because my wife turns on because I'm a Michigan fan, Wolverine fan through and through. I was bummed as heck that the the Michigan hockey had to pull out of the tournament due to COVID. But it, she turns on the Sweet 16 game between Michigan and Florida State. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, don't you want to watch your team play? I'm like, no, I never watched Michigan in the tournament. The last time I did was the last time I watched them was their final four game against or no, the national championship game against Louisville. And I watched it and they lost. I watch them for basketball. At least I watch them from afar and they do good from afar. Hockey and football. I watch them all the time. Baseball and big 10 network. Watch them all the time. Foot or basketball. I cannot watch Michigan play whenever Michigan, Michigan state plays. And Kelly's like, we got to watch it. I'm like, Oh, fine. Cause I just know in the back of my head, we're going to turn the game on and Michigan's going to lose. We don't watch them play. They win. So that's why for me, can't watch the Wolverines in the tournament. I can't do it. Well, I've been watching almost every game. Like, so just pulling the curtain down, my dad's battling some some small heart issues. We're trying to figure out what's going on. So I've been keeping him company and yep. we've been watching all the games and I still couldn't name you a single player from this tournament. <laughs> that's not the so point. That, you know, that's just um, that's just how riveting March Madness is. You don't have to really know who's playing to still enjoy watching it. And of course, I mean, you can't help but stick around for the halftime report with Charles Barkley. I mean, that's just comedy gold every time. That and it's it's the funniest thing because I've heard this conversation so much. People say, what would happen if they because they obviously do work. You're talking about Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal does stuff there too. That's the the inside the NBA crew on TNT during the week. People are talking about like what if that ever happened with the NHL and I say this and I and as entertaining as inside the NBA is hockey is such a traditionalist sport that the reason why Don Cherry was the most polarizing figure is because that's the closest the game has ever gotten to an inside the NBA type of environment. A guy that was boisterous and whatnot, and he's the only guy to ever do it because some people just don't, some people just, it wouldn't click it in the at hockey, at least with the elder fans. With the new generation, maybe. I don't know about what you think about that, Peyton. And remember, NBC tried with Jeremy Roenick and the, you know, the bar stool problems aside he had every opportunity to be engaging and entertaining and really kill it on the television side and he was terrible <laughs> that well because jeremy because here's the thing jeremy roenick is a very entertaining guy very and the, like i said despite the barstool stuff aside he 
he's always been a guy that's fun to listen to. He's always good for a quote in, in, the, in the media and whatnot when he played. It was always a fun guy. I liked to chirp and all that stuff. But as a bra, it's different when you're trying to be behind the mic in front of a camera. Like when you're just doing it casually off the cuff, it's one thing. But when you're like, hey, Jeremy, we need you to go do this for the playoffs. We need you to go find the Elvis guys at Vegas or go play the drums with the Vegas Golden Knights. You got to do something like that. It's different. It's different when you're trying to put on a show compared to when you're just acting how you would in the locker room. Now, yes, there are some things, as we learned with this Barstool Sports interview, that you kind of just can't say what you want to say sometimes. And I think about, too, they tried with Ronick and they tried with Mike freaking Milbury, who... We want to go down this path? <laughs> yes, we do, because, I, you know, NBC ought to be ashamed for trying to hire the worst general manager in history thinking oh he can be our entertaining guy he'll be a great analyst of of how a team should win hockey games for that nbc does not deserve the secondary contract in my humble opinion also somewhat aside somewhat related how in the world does espn not get kevin weeks for their studio coverage next year they got to be banging on his door blowing up his cell phone yeah, I really wonder about that because I have the only see I if you ask me, I'm like the NHL network with me just hurts because the only way you can have the NHL network is if you have satellite television or you have sling TV and you get the extra NHL network package. I if I think if you really want to, I because well, I have Hulu, I have Hulu plus live TV. The wife and I split the bill on that and we have like the Disney plus the ESPN plus all that great stuff. If the NHL Network can somehow get on one of these things, or even YouTube TV or whatever, that'd be great because then there's more ways for us folks that don't want to spend an arm and a leg for satellite TV to watch it. Because I used to love NHL Network back when my family had TV, and Kevin Weeks was a very good broadcaster, very good analyst, and very entertaining guy. He can be a guy, and I don't know how the contract deal works for you. It can only work exclusively for NHL Network or not, but he's got to find a way to renegotiate because ESPN's willing to pay big bucks to get him on. Well, I think about... The MLB with uh, Matt Viscursion, the awesome play-by-play announcer. I think he's the best play-by-play Santa guy in all, yes, in all of baseball. And he actually he does work for MLB Network and for ESPN. So, and th- it's the same company too. You know, MLB Network actually owns NHL Network. So, I think uh, something could be worked out there. That would be interesting. Now, talking about the ESPN deal, and this is how we're going to tie it here to college hockey, because I know you didn't watch all the games, but you know a little bit about Minnesota State, because, well, the the Chargers and the Bulldogs were forced by schedule requirement to play Minnesota State. And and the reason why I mention Minnesota State is because they were in the college hockey regionals, which pertains to ESPN, because I, uh, I watched the games this weekend, and it... uh, it's really tough. Did you actually, did you get to watch any of the games this weekend or no? Just uh, a small snippets of the Minnesota game. I actually did uh, slug it through all the overtimes of Minnesota, Duluth, and North Dakota. Oh, yeah. How about, uh, so, how about uh, Leah Hextall, by the way? Eight overtime game for Leah Hextall. Her first game on ESPN. She has to do that. What a what a performance. God bless her. I, you know, having to slug it out through that and... I, I was telling my brother watching the game, I said, if I was calling this, my voice would be shot by the second overtime. The only thing about Leah Hextall, I just, I wish she would not be so matter of fact. You know, she was kind of, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to be mean, but she was kind of NPR style calling the game. If she, she needs to learn to ride the 
the the highs and the lows and the flow of the game emotionally. And I think if she gets that down, she's going to be phenomenal. Um, NBC Sports actually has I cannot think of her name, but she's been calling a lot of the women's games. And uh, Kay Scott, Kay Scott, Katie Scott. Yep. Yes. Wow. She is like found money. She is incredible behind the mic. She's better than most of the guys they get for the playoffs. They that and that's the big thing, too, because, of course, she got to call the Isabel Cup this past weekend, the Boston Pride winning their second championship. And that that crew was great. Her, AJ Malesko and um, uh, Kaylee, uh, Kelly, Chel- Kaylee Chelios or Ke- you know, Kaylee Chelios. I think it's Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was a great crew. And they called the game Leah Hextall too, and she she is very talented. And yeah, and, and here's the, and here's my thing, Peyton. And I've said this before on the show. There is the reason why I and I say this, and people some people hear it and they hear one they hear me say it one way, but I mean the other. I don't want to do women's hockey games, and I say that not because I don't want to do women's hockey. I call women's hockey right now at Davenport. I love calling. I love to call the NWHL, the PWHP. I love to call the World Champion. I'd love to call an Olympic gold medal game between. U.S. and Canada, women's hockey. Now, the reason why I say I don't want to is because people like Leah Hextall, Katie Scott, and there's so many other broadcast girls that are out there that want to be broadcasters. They deserve that chance. That's my thing about that because, and that's why I think if Leah Hextall keeps getting these games, like you said, she's going to become better and she has the chops. She has the raw talent to make her one of the best in the game. And that's why she got that opportunity at the regionals this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think about, and that, that's a great point. I thought about wanting to call women's hockey for the experience of it, but you're right. It would be taking away, you know, an opportunity for someone with talent. Like with Kelly Box Radio, we've got a couple of very, very, very talented women, yep. uh, Abigail Martin and Danielle Danena, who are our go-to sideline reporters. But I actually pushed in um, Abigail, again, Abigail Martin, who goes to school at MTSU. I actually pushed her to do a couple of MTSU games of play-by-play, and she did a, a pretty good job. So, um, hopefully, you know, we didn't get to pretty much do any live games this year because of COVID. And so, you right. know, next season we should be able to see her do some more. And I would like to see, um, uh, Danielle Denena as well, possibly, uh, step in, in that role. And I'd like to see them do that and then have them, uh, if they were want to jump on with me and, and be the analyst for the games I'm doing, um, you know, it's, it's great to see the, the turning of the tide, seeing women, you know, get their opportunities in the game. There, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of it. There was a, a a woman that was calling games. Oh, was it Clarkson or no? It was a couple years ago. It was one of the the Ivy League schools because it was on ESPN Plus. Gosh, I forget what school it was, and she did a pretty good job. And I'm like, see, there we go. Like that's what we need in this game. Like, yes, do do Peyton and I want to make it to the big time? Of course we do. But there is opportunity, and I think as we've seen with. Hextall and and Scott and the entire crew for NWHL this past weekend for NBC Sports, there is a talent pool there that is kind of getting overlooked because of, yes, historically a male-dominated industry, but we see that there are females out there that can kick our butts, Peyton. (laughs) Yes, I mean, and I I know I was a little too critical of, of Leah again. She did a phenomenal job, and I thought she was actually better than some of the people, some of the guys that did the other regional games, like the guy on the Minnesota State broadcast, I couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite stand listening to him. Uh, well, so. shockingly enough, Minnesota State made sure they used uh, their guy for their broadcast, which deservedly so. The man's uh, he, they Minnesota State uh, right, actually, on their act- on their home radio broadcast. Yes, Mike Sullivan. He is he is me and 
Harrison and I both agree. He is treasure in the WCHA. He is the number one guy for sure in all of the WCHA. I actually got to meet him when I called, uh, when I worked the games with Harrison against Minnesota State. I actually got to meet him and just an absolute great guy. Him and I probably, I was supposed to be getting ready for the game. I think him and I probably talked for like an hour and I'm like, all of a sudden, like, oh, we're live in five minutes. Sorry, Mike, I got to go. Um, but no, he, he was one of the best. And I guess it's a good way to flip that because, by the way, UMD beating North Dakota to get out of their the Fargo Regional, eight periods, five overtime game, big win. I mean, I, I lost my notes here for a second. Hold on, where are they? I got to make sure I get the goal. The guy who scored the goal right there it is, Luke Mil Luke Milmack Milmack scoring the game winner for the Bulldogs, a game where Zach yeah dash call who started the game for the Bulldogs, actually left in the fourth overtime due to cramps. Ryan Fanti coming in the rest of the way. Bulldogs make it through there. East Regional, St. Cloud beat Boston College. Can we just say the fact that St. Cloud did not choke in the first round because of the fact that they were not the one seed? There you go. St. Cloud making it back to the Frozen Force in 2013. Minnesota State. Peyton, you and I got to both see them this year. Now, you and I saw different versions of Minnesota State. You saw the Dryden McKay getting a shutout just about both nights against the Chargers, where I actually saw Dryden McKay get pulled from a game, the unthinkable. But are we shocked, though, that the Mavericks, A, won their first ever regional NCAA tournament game against Quinnipiac, but are we surprised that they shut down a Minnesota Golden Gophers team that has been dominant this year? Are we shocked that this happened? I'm shocked that, one, they did not win the WCHA championship. That was a shocker, shocker, yep. And I'm shocked that, too, you know, this team, in comparison to last team, last year's team is performing so well. Last year's team, I think uh, I think they legitimately could have made a Frozen Four run, and they absolutely got robbed by COVID. And I, I personally thought that was their last chance. When you look at guys like, um, we still have Julian Napravnik, but they had Parker Toomey and Mark Michaelis. Those were oh, two Michaelis phenomenal Oh, Michaelis was on fire boards. last year. He was ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. I thought their departures would just sink Minnesota State, but give them credit. Uh, Mike Hastings is a heck of a coach, and they came together at the right time. That defense for Minnesota State is so good. Um, Jake Livingstone, I think about him. Uh, Akito Hirose, who is a freshman, but uh, could have fooled me. I think he's on their top pair, uh, eating up minutes. Uh, there's, there's, uh, I think Borshert is another guy. They're, they're just. You win with your defense, and you know they got the forwards to back it up too. And when you've got Dryden McKay between the pipes, you know when he's heating up at the right times, he's got ten shutouts this season. Yep, he is. I think three behind Ryan Miller now in terms of all-time shutouts in NCAA hockey history. He only he still has another year left, right? Yes. Hey, I, there have been a couple people that I've talked to that have said that he would go pro next year. And I'm like, come on. Come on, dude. Unless Minnesota State does the thing this year, go for it, man. I mean, because, and this is one of the things I've talked with people. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to put anyone on the spot. The problem with Dryden McKay is that he's not six foot two. That's the problem. And I give it, and I call it the Jeff Lurg effect. For those that remember, Jeff Lurg was a great Michigan State goaltender back in the mid to late 2000s. Went to the pros. Unfortunately, he did actually have some knee problems, but the fact that he was five foot six did not help him at all. And McKay, who only, by the way, had to make 22 saves in that regional final against Minnesota, I should probably mention, he is so consistent, but he does play on such a good, 
heavy defense. My, I mean, Mike Hastings, he's just he's an he's an amazing coach, and the fact that it took the Mavericks this long to get this far into the tournament is kind of a is it's it's a bummer, but it's finally accumulated because of his style, and Dryden McKay is able to thrive in that style with the team that only when he only has to face 25 shots a night on average it kind of helps that kind of system and helps your numbers for the most part right uh it just helps uh when you're you've got a darn good hockey club <laughs> you know, um I, i'm trying to think i mean my casings i don't know if they've even awarded it yet but i gotta think he's making a case for coach of the year in all of ncaa hockey so um Best of luck in Pittsburgh. I, you know, I think they've got a legitimate shot. They, they beat, I mean, heck, they just beat Minnesota. They shut them out for nothing, and that was the team I had going all the way. I had North Dakota, and boy, did I look like a fool. Well, they were one goal away. They were one goal away from going at least to the Frozen Four. Uh, let me just check to make sure I got the bracket right so I can give you guys the matchups. For some reason, Dummy Tyler here didn't feel like clicking that even though they just were released earlier today. Where is it? Come on, bracket, click. There we go. Here it is. So if the Frozen Four will be Minnesota Duluth versus UMass. UMass making their second ever appearance of the Frozen Four and their second ever appearance in the tournament. St. Cloud State versus Minnesota State. Three teams from Minnesota. We had Pat McLeady on last week, and he was all excited that they were all in the tournament. Now I'm pretty sure he's happy now that three of the four are in the Frozen Four. Do you have a pick, Peyton, on who do you think is going to make it out of there? Who do you think is going to take it all now? I mean, UMass is looking good. They have they have Philip Lindbergh, who is looking pretty good. They have a couple of big scorers. But then, yes, St. Cloud State on this kind of redemption tour. Minnesota State's playing at the top of their game. The Bulldogs are the two-time defending champs trying to become the first program since Michigan back in the 1950s to win three in a row. Peyton, who does it this year? Do I say it? Oh, man, I don't know if... Are you going to go full, State. W- full WCHA bias here? Here it comes. Minnesota State, baby. Let's go. Mavs. It shouldn't be because they all deserted UAH, and I'm not mad about that at all. But anyway. <laughs> they all left us. They're all leaving us. They're not no. letting us into their new clubhouse, but that's a story for another day. Oh, that'll be the story. See, the problem is I have to be careful with those stories because, unfortunately, there's a couple. Of pro- there's, there is a program that's in the CCHA that I'm trying to get a job with. I can't say it. If you guys don't know what it is, you just have to look at the fact that every other team in the CCHA has a broadcaster, but one. If you don't know what it is, look it up. I can't say it. It's it's the team that they picked over Alabama Huntsville. I'm sorry, Peyton. I, I We can yell. I think we should. This is one of those things we have to yell and scream about. We have to make sure the mics are off. We can't be Tim Peel. We got to make sure those mics are off before we uh, start yelling about it. That's fine. I just wanted to get mine out. I mean, you know. You you still you will still have your show and I'm sure you'll still have your opportunities. I'm you know what what do I have to lose? But <laughs> eventually we'll get to that point where we'll be like, all right, welcome to the 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 the, uh, the complain show with Peyton and Tyler. Peyton, what you got? Oh, I tell you, the CCHA, Tyler, I got screwed because I didn't get a degree. <laughs> well, uh, I'll just say this just to update everybody on the UAH side of things. It does appear it's going to be Atlantic hockey or bust. Uh, they're going to have a meeting in the summer. I believe they're currently at 11 teams. Their expansion is going to be on the docket for the summer meetings. They are talking about possibly expanding to 12 and even as high as 14 teams, which, you know, that's a lot for a conference. But we'll see. Well, it, it does appear that Atlantic is the, the, the last shot for UAH here. 
Well, I'm just going to give people the put this in their ear and let it fester a little bit. Navy was supposed to make the announcement that they were going to go D1, and they would want all the academy, military academies in one. That make it 12. Long Island was a part of their schedule this year, and a lot of people liked the way they competed and competed hard, and they could probably compete in a normal year possibly. That'd make it 13, and there's, and there's Alabama, Huntsville, that'd make it 14. Now, yes, the reason why I think Peyton and I can both agree on this, the reason probably why the ECAC is keeping their door shut, they like to think that they're the smarty pants schools, which they are. They're majority made up of the Ivy League, so I get that, and the NCHC is very thinks very high of themselves, and the Big Ten is the Big Ten, and they don't want anyone else that's not the Big Ten, except for Notre Dame, of course, which makes sense, right? No, doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> but uh, let's let's uh, we got about a half hour left on this program today. We talked about the Minnesota State being the, apparently the inevitable champions, according to Peyton Turnage. We talked a little bit about mentioning the fact that the NWHL Amazing Broadcast they did Boston Pride beating Minnesota Whitecaps in the rematch of the 2020 final that we never got because literally the day before the final, they canceled the season due to COVID. Now we got to talk about the big fish here. No pun intended because of catfish here, Peyton. The, oh, Nashville, the Nashville Predators are in a playoff spot. Peyton, yeah. I have to ask you this. What is worse? The fact that the Buffalo Sabres have lost 17 straight games or the fact that David Poyle is going to get rid of the next five or six draft picks of the first round for the Predators because he's going to buy at the deadline because they have a shot in the playoffs. Yeah, what, what, re, what rebuild? What rebuild? There's no rebuild. The last time we had Peyton, now we were complaining the fact that this team has to rebuild. There is no rebuild now. We're back to going for it. Back to going for it there in Smashville. Well, you know there's red flags when Eckholm has been trade deadline guy number one, you know, nationally and internationally for the past month or two. And now here we are at the end of March and Poyle says, you know, I think we're going to trade Ryan Ellis instead. Uh, and here we are now. The team has played very well. Um, I think they've won. I think it's five of their last six i believe seven of their last eight if i'm not mistaken i took a quick look at it before i jumped on with you and i don't know what the hell they do now um <laughs> i i you gotta at least for at the very least please for the love of god do a partial rebuild trade uh if you can eric Halla. if you can trade granland i think you could still get a return for him and it won't bite the lineup too much and it appears that the Ekholm slash Ellis trade is going to be pushed to the off season. So, you know, you, you, you go full tank, you go from full tank to this. And for someone like me, it's just so confusing. And, and, you know, you want them to succeed, but you know, it's in vain. This is the question I always ask. If you're going for a playoff run, if you want to buy at the deadline, if you feel so inclined, like, you know, they've, Shouldn't have done last year. They should have traded. They should have traded Craig Smith and Mikael Granlin and their expiring contracts. They could have got a first from Edmonton for Smith, probably. Yeah. But you ask yourself, if you're going to do this, can your team win the Stanley Cup? Because why else are you in the playoffs? Playoff revenue. I mean, sure, that's great, but you should only be there to win, to win the Stanley Cup. And right now, the way this Predators team looks, you can't, you can't say that they can win the cup compared to the competition out there. Yes, I know they were the eighth seed 
in the West coming into the 2017 final, and they swept the Blackhawks, and they went all the way to the Cup final against Pittsburgh. This is a different team, and this is in very much way a declining team, as le- at least as far as their veterans go, namely Ryan Johansson. And I mean, who knows what Matt Duchesne is? Of course, he's been out of the lineup for a while. Yeah, but this is just a team that we don't know what they are or who they are. Uh, that said, it is good that they had quite a number of injuries and they had more or less a forced rebuild for the time being and played guys like Tolvin and more. They played Brim Pitlick. They should give him some second line minutes. Uh, you're seeing Matthew Olivier and Yakov Trenin more often. So at least we are getting an idea of what the future would look like. Jeremy Davies played some time on the back end. Alex Carrier has taken um, a regular role on the right side on the defense. So there is hope for the future. But just, it, you know, again, the conundrum is what are you right now? That That's always a tough part when you see that because I, I still look back at the 2013 Leafs, the team that I say this because the way that they had played against the Rangers that season, the 2013 season, they were five minutes away from being the Boston Bruins in game seven at the TD Garden. And I thought maybe they could have gone to the conference finals. They played Pittsburgh well that year as well. And the couple of games they played, I'm like, man, they may actually go to the dang Stanley Cup finals because they're going to beat Boston and Boston up going there anyways. But yeah, that team should have no reason to have been a team that was going to buy next season. They went for it. They still stunk. And I was like, okay, maybe this team actually is not that good after all. However, though, I will say this, though, Peyton, you must look at, you got to love the fact that after the whole Jimmy VC problem of many years back, you finally got your college prospect to sign with you. David Ferentz from the from Boston University signing on after the Terriers got knocked out this past weekend. You got to love that, right? Spare no time at all. He loses one day, and he's put on the taxi squad, sent to Nashville the next. So uh, made pretty uh, spiffy time out of that. Uh, same for Cole Caulfield with the Canadians. And this, you know, this creates more question marks on what you do with the trade deadline because you've got him, you've got Grant Miss, uh, Mismatch coming up as well. To my knowledge, they're both left-handed defensemen that play the left side. So did mismatch, did mismatch sign? Did he sign? Because I know he, he's not signed, but could right. Um, you know, within the next year, possibly this year. That makes you wonder. You know, doesn't that make like, a guy like Matthias Eckholm more expendable? Don't you, you know? You know, still need to keep your strength on the right side with Ryan Ellis, although he gets hurt all the time. And still keep, you know, you don't want to overextend Dante Fabro or Alex Carrier. Yeah. So this is, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but. Right now, you're pressed with a really tough decision. You've got to make sure you make the right one at the right time. As I look at it, Matias Ekholm, 29 games played, 5 goals, 10 assists, plus 12 if you want to you know, uh, put some weight behind that metric. He doesn't play power play often. Um, that's going to be interesting to see if he does get traded, what teams do for him. Like Obviously, I think Toronto would you know, play him power play probably. But, uh, man, conundrums, man. Well, I will say this. It, the difference is that because David Ferentz is a really good college prospect. I will say that he had a pretty solid, despite Boston University having so many COVID problems this year, I, they barely had enough games to even qualify for the tournament. The difference between people, because people are like, oh, because unfortunately, Kale McCarr has spoiled everyone's mind to thinking that college prospects can go literally right from the NCAA ranks to the NHL. Kale McCarr is a Hobie Baker Award winner, folks. Let's just remember that. David Ferentz is not. 
if you give David Ferentz a couple games, because obviously, like we said, the trade deadline is April the 12th. So you do have a couple, you have a few times to see if Ferentz maybe can get in the lineup, see if he can play at the NHL level now. Because if he can, then you could look at moving Matias Ekholm. But if for some reason, you know, he doesn't pan out, I'm like, oh man, maybe he's not ready. And I look at a guy like, um, oh gosh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Donato was a guy that I remember that everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the next can't miss prospect. He's playing in the, was he in the Minnesota system now or the Anaheim system? He's not doing a whole lot. So I'm like, San Jose that see, that's how obscure (laughs) that is. He's in San Jose, but I I remember the uh, Danny DeKaiser sweepstakes. Remember how hot that was? Oh man. Glenn Healy, every single Saturday night in hockey night in Canada, Western Michigan alum going for the Western Michigan boy, Danny DeKaiser. He's the next can't miss prospect. He was good for three months out of his entire NHL career. Let's be honest here, folks. Still riding that wave. One good season, just like uh, just like Darren Helm. Darren Helm, Justin Abdul-Kader. Shoot, if you put on put me on a line with Pavel Dotsuk and Henrik Zetterberg, I'll put up 30 points. Gosh. Well, maybe not now, but well, not I mean, to. Well, maybe in the Russian League I could with Pavel Dotsuk. How many rubles do I need to get to? To tell to convince the mafia, let me play on a line with him. I'll make a few. I'll make a I'll probably put up twenty points there in that KHL playing for CSK Moscow or or no, he plays for does he play for Moscow or St. Peter? Anyways, regardless. I believe he plays for Yekaterinburg, I believe. Oh gosh, he's moving along. Geez, he's not getting paid enough with one team. That guy is still playing. Well, he's never gonna go to the Hall of Fame. He's gonna be the Ricky Henderson of hockey. He's gonna play till he's like forty nine in some obscure league, and he's just gonna keep on humming along and no one's gonna care. But everyone's like, he needs to go in the Hall of Fame. Well, he can't. He's still playing. Well, he, like that was the Dominic Hoshik problem. He was 47. He kept playing. And then he's going to come back for a random Detroit Vipers game and come out to a standing ovation. Oh, man. the Detroit, Don't you hate on the Detroit Vipers, man. That was the that was the the best major market minor league team, I think, ever. And then they decided they were going to be affiliated with a team in Tampa, which was funny because Bill Davidson owned both the Vipers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it ruined the franchise. Of course, that's how my back when minor league hockey actually had money in it, or at least independent money back in the back in the nineties, the heyday. I would hope your listeners um, are astounded that the Southern hockey guy knew about Gordy Howe's one game comeback to the Detroit Vipers. You know, I I think I deserve a pat on the back for that. I, I anyway. will give you that. I will say that isn't pretty impressive. Yes, the Vipers that played at the Palace of Auburn Hills. And actually sold. They really? Wow. Yes. They played at the palace. And back when they used to use the palace for more than awful B grade acts because they didn't want to play downtown Detroit and the Pistons before they became obscure. Well, they went obscure. The Vipers took over, made it popular again. And then the Pistons got good again. And then they got bad again. And then they moved into downtown Detroit. That's how the Palace of Auburn Hills history worked. The malice in the palace. The, the, that right there. Everyone's like, oh, the championship in 04. No, the Malice at the Palace. That was the peak of the Detroit Pistons time at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal running up into the crowd, beating up a fan that threw a beer. God, man, guy, man, miss pro sports, right? Fans in the stands. That's what we need back in sports, right? Bill Burr has the greatest bit about that. He says there's one fan that's like, wait, my cup still has water in it, and he gets punched. <laughs> he's, got, he's got water in Oh, man. I remember when that happened. I actually knew a couple people that were actually at that game, and they said 
They said it was terrifying. Me, as a nine-year-old, thought, this is hilarious. They're all punching the fans or whatever. It's like a WWE match. It's great. Even though it's like now I'm an adult and I'm looking back at that, I'm like, wow, someone really could have gotten hurt. I'm going to ask you this while I'm racking my brain to find my response, but what's possibly the wildest or craziest thing you've ever witnessed at a, a sporting event? In person? In person. Oh, jeesh. Um, all right. I'm trying to think here because the IHL and the, the IHL back in the day was ludicrous. Matt Rucky used to run down the hallway between the locker rooms and whatnot. Uh, but in terms of a fan interaction, um, well, uh, there was the 2013 Calder Cup Finals when my aunt got hit with beer because the grip, people were mad that the Griffins were not going to win the championship on that night. But there was one instance. And it's funny that I mentioned this on the 20th anniversary of Ty Domi almost or accidentally fighting a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers back in 01. Watch but, the lawsuit, Ty. Watch the lawsuit, Ty. Watch the lawsuit. Gosh, Harry, Harry Neal, legend. Um, but there was a game, I think it was San Antonio, probably 20. Oh, gosh, this is going to sound bad. Like maybe like 2011. And there was a guy that got into a fight for the ramp. I'm going to say it's the rampage. It's probably not even the rampage, but for some reason they, cause they were in the Griffins division for the longest time. And guy gets into a fight. He's mad. And there was a drunk, it was a Friday night. So there was dollar beer, dollar dogs at the time. That's how long ago this was at the Van Andel arena. And a guy that was sitting right alongside the penalty box starts barking at the player. And typically players are good at, you know, Oh, it's another fan yelling at me. I've done it a bunch of times myself, but for some reason, this guy got mad and started yelling at the fan in which I'm like, Oh boy. And once again, this is 10 year or 15 year old Tyler thinking to himself, this is funny. This look at this guy gotten mad at the fan there. The fans not doing anything wrong. And all of a sudden the fan started kind of shoving the glass back a little bit. And then the player started shoving the glass back a little bit. And then the player was somehow able to get his hand through and grab the guy and hold him up against the glass for a minute, which the linesman had to jump in, security had to run down and jump in. And this is how drunk everyone was. The guy got, of course, escorted out of the arena, got a standing ovation. And then the, the guy, the player, ended up getting kicked out of the game and suspended after it and ended up grabbing a stool, which was across, obviously, across the ice from the penalty box, grabs the stool, breaks it in half, and chucks it across the ice, looking at the fan as he's walking up the stairs, trying to obviously chuck it and realize he wasn't Brett Favre, but could only get about halfway across the ice. But I'm like, oh, that's pretty nuts. That was entertaining, was, was though. This, was this the Kit Brennan incident? No, it was not the Kit Brennan incident. No, oh. he, that was the Hershey Bears. I do remember, I do remember that, though, because he actually, I remember he ripped the fan's shirt in that one. No, right. but this was after that. This is why, because I remember, I'm like, wow, this is just like Kit Brennan. I'm like, that's I remember that incident because that's what, triggered my memory of it i'm like well this is just like that didn't this just happen not too long ago but that was no not the same guy no we never played hershey that much during the regular season because unfortunately unlike what people believe in the american hockey league it's very regionalized everyone's like talking about how these divisions they only play each other in the division the nhl right now i'm like this is the ahl just about every other year <laughs> and the echl and all the other leagues as well what are peyton well, then oh go ahead peyton I was racking my brain for a response from me, but actually I'm going to just do this vicariously. There was a guy I knew in college. I went to school at Murray State in West Kentucky, and this guy I knew, uh, he was a friend of mine, and he's West Kentucky through and through, but he had some family from Philadelphia. Oh so he said one time he was 
uh, visiting his family, and he went to uh, his one and only uh, Philadelphia Phantoms game. Just went on a random night. Tyler, he was at the Neil Little game. Oh man, the and you know who started all that? Razor Razor Ray Emery. Oh God, that's right. That's why Neil Little lost his mind because. Razor A. Emery, Mr. Hotshot, going after... I, I don't remember which Phantom player it was. I still remember that because Neil Little, Neil Little actually played here in Grand Rapids at, back in the IHL days in the late 90s. That's how I... I don't say I'm a Neil Little fan, but I know of Neil Little. And I, I can still visualize that because the Phantoms had the deal with... And the Phantoms were with the Flyers and they had the deal with Comcast. They actually broadcasted their games because back when the Fly, Phantoms were in Philly, they were literally like you know, right down the road, like Toronto Maple Leafs to Toronto Marlies, how it used to be back then. Like they were the, I guess, revolutionary in that they had two team, their minor league team in their same city. So they pretty much had the same crew go down and do the, the Phantoms games all the time. And that's why that's so popular because it was a televised game. Ah, <laughs> hold on the pile, Neil Little. Neil Little going end to end and ass over tea kettle, literally to go after... <laughs> Ray Emery, which I will say this just from knowing Ray as a seeing watching Ray as a goaltender and watching him beat up poor Braden Holtby one year, ironically playing for the Flyers. That's a bold strategy. And Neil Little was a tall goaltender, but it's Ray Emery who is crazy. <laughs> I, I think about that video where he lost his mind in the KHL where the Oh. Team rep or coach kept trying to put the hat on him and chase him down the yeah. hallway. Yeah, he uh, did not take a liking to that, which, I mean, if I lived in Russia, I guess I'd be that way too. Re- oh, if I get pulled from a game and someone told to put a hat on my head, I'm like, no, I don't. I just leave me alone. Leave, let me let my bald head shine. That's that's what I'd say if I was Ray Emery. Pretty sure well, you not. are a goalie, so you, you know, like you, you know what he's feeling. I'm not saying you've been pulled in games, so I'm just saying you, you oh, have. Been, oh, yeah, there's a reason why I'm doing this now, Peyton, is because I was pulled a time or two. Uh, it's okay. I, you know, the respective sports I played, the you know, I, I got to know the bench quite well, so it's okay. <laughs> bench is fun, it means you don't have to worry about doing anything. You that get, means you get to yell at the other team, and what are they going to do? Jump in the bench, and hey, that's a penalty for you, sir. Power play for us. No one, the goal, just, backup goaltender never got a penalty. I would give away a kidney to have played hockey growing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, only I, you you only need one kidney, right? Yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah, I, I know my to, anatomy. Went to a very 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 small high school. Graduated with twenty people in rural Missouri. Uh, it was actually a town where I saw my first tumbleweed, and played basketball and baseball. And we didn't have tryouts because they were desperate to fill the roster. Everyone got to play, right? Everybody got to play. Well, you slide a Visa card under my jump shot. <laughs> That's awesome. Slide a Visa card under my jump shot. I, if I ever get, because I've never called a basketball game myself. Basketball and football, believe it or not, the ones that everyone calls, the sports that everyone calls in their time, the two sports I've never called before. I'm going to make sure when that day comes and I have to hit the hardwood, you, man, I tell you right now, he's got no ups whatsoever. You could slide a Visa card under his jump shot. <laughs> Just as long as the sponsors are happy. Oh, do I have to use it? Wait, hold on. This game, and also this game is sponsored by MasterCard because MasterCards are thicker. <laughs> one lap to go, brought to you by Credit One Bank. Oh, gosh, the last lap, Credit One Bank. Or anytime there was the, um, 
the reason why I think the Washington Capitals changed their name to Capital One Arena because every game on NBC Sports was sponsored by Capital One. So I'm like, hey, we put the Capitals on 30 times a year. May as well make it Capital One Arena. All right here. This is a random question. With you know, we're, you and I are good for this, and um, I would think anybody listening to your show is ADD too, just like us. So it's fine. Washington Capitals. You you know a lot of things. Do you know what the heck is going on in the arena when they have the let's go caps? Is that like an eagle on their jumbotron? What is that? I it's gotta be because they it's I everyone tries to do like a similar thing now because I think because the Capitals do it as well where they have like that vuvuzela that someone plays that the Penguins first started and then Chicago started doing it as well. I, they everyone tries to do they all try to be original or try to be unique but they're all the same and the if it's if it's the eagle the bald eagle which was there you know it's washington it's the washington dc uh, the bald eagle is the you know the symbol of america then yes it probably is the eagle i, I don't know exactly i have been i was there in dc when it was back when it was the verizon center and walked by it, looked inside it, saw the rink, saw people inside it, probably was watching, looking at a Wizards game, but regardless. But I could not tell you off the top of my head what is with that Washington Capitals, even though literally everyone's just trying to find a way to fill the arena with noise at this point. You do know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. And it's, it, it's so, it's, it's annoying. And that, it's annoying and very, very bizarre. And I want to say it's an eagle on their jumbotron, but they do it during play, so I don't know. That's true. I, well, maybe it's just some fan yelling something, screaming. Because here's the thing, and to it's funny when people start saying, "Man, it's so weird calling games without fans in the stands and this piping noise." It's weird. I'm like, kids, I call games for the American Collegiate Hockey Association. Calling games with no fans in the arena is nothing. It's pretty much the daily occurrence at Davenport University. And uh, I'm used to calling games at Ford Ice Center, which is very airy. And all sounds are amplified and echoed. And that's a very, I've never been, obviously, because unfortunately I've only driven through Nashville. That looks like a nice barn, though, eh? The the new Ford Ice Center is phenomenal. Uh, it's not as bad acoustics-wise. The one at Antioch uh, might need some work. But yes, the, the new one, and in Bellevue on the west part of Nashville is great, and it's got seating for a thousand on one side, and um, it's it's phenomenal. There's a perch up top; it's perfect that you can set a table on and do a broadcast from. So, uh, thankfully, they had that in mind when they built the one in Antioch. You had your choice: you could either call the game from the penalty box, you could call the game from the short bleachers and be obscured by the glass, or you could call upstairs in the loft, but there was glass and you have zero game sound. Gosh, see, that's why I we're fortunate enough up here at Patterson Ice Center, which is we're actually hosting the ACHA D3 Nationals this year. We actually have a, what we call, I call it a press box, more as a press table with outlets and connection and everything. And we're able to do games up there where we're like kind of separated from the fans, whereas some public rinks around here, you have to call the game in the bleachers with the fans, which is okay. You're able to see everything, but it's still kind of weird. And it just, as much as I love the fan, the broadcaster interaction you get at the very small ranks, I like to be somewhat separate just so I can, you know, set stuff up and not feel like someone's going to step on my stuff or something. Well, I, um, 
I didn't get to do it this year, but I've, I've, I've missed calling games from the penalty box and actually leaning over the boards and risking my life. Um, <laughs> the, this season uh, it was definitely missed from that. I've, I've, how in the world I never got hit by the puck, I don't, I don't know. And I actually did get hit by someone's helmet during a body check. See, that's the best part is I think it'd be fun. That's why I've, whenever I did any rinkside reporting um, in the past, just being by the ice, like you always want to have that moment where it's like, oh, a guy gets knocked into you or whatever, and you get to have the sound bite or whatever. But then you got to be careful, of course, of the players dropping the occasional swear word or the F-bomb, and you got to worry about that. I know that's – I hear – I feel like I'm – maybe it's because I'm paying attention to it more with the empty crowd, but I feel like I'm hearing a lot more players dropping F-bombs this season on the on the rinkside mics on broadcast. I don't know about you. Do you think you hear that too, Peyton? I haven't no- – <sighs> I'm so guilty. I've really not watched a whole lot of hockey this year. And I think how dare you pay in? Listen, 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 listen. It's hard for me to get into it because I think I need the crowd. I need the ambiance. It's just this year has been not the same, even with limited crowds. Right. That's the worst part, too, is I I've tried to make it out because the the state of Michigan now is allowing fans at games and I could go to a Griffins game if I wanted to. I could go to a Wings game or a Lumberjacks game over in Muskegon in the USHL. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm just now I was starting to call games at Davenport or whatnot. I just haven't felt the need to go to a game and maybe it's because they don't have two dollar beer nights. Maybe that's my thing because I uh, if I go to a game, I like to drink a lot of beer and yell at people, Um, even though I can do it sober. I just it's I don't know. You can always run barefoot, but it helps if you have shoes on. That's what I like to say. Um, but I don't know. I Yeah, it's it's different. I mean, broadcasting for me, that's easy. I'll broadcast on a in an open field. I'll broadcast to a cow versus, you know, or two cows trying to you know walk across the field. I'll broadcast that. And I was the way the way things were this year. <laughs> I'll do anything to broadcast. I don't care who it's in front of or who is listening. Heck, that's why I do this show. <laughs> I'll, I'll tend to you're Jim Brockmeyer. You you call it. Oh my gosh! Yes, another Brockmeyer fan. Yes, I, I'm glad that you know that show. Well, okay, so I haven't really got very far into the series, but the original College Humor video is one of my favorites. Oh man, that was Hank Azaria, man. Hank Azaria, who played Mitch Album in a uh, in a uh, Tuesdays with Maury. For those fans that are of who know of Mitch Album. Well, Peyton, this is, and unfortunately, we kind of have to duck out here because here in a couple minutes, we got Talking Miners with the Rando. You got to hear his piece earlier talking about Tim Peel and the officials. Now you got to talk to Peyton Turner, talked about college hockey, Predators, fans in the stands, and Ed and Jim Brockmeyer. We have literally covered all the bases. Peyton, I don't even know what number of time this is for the show. Unfortunately, once you hit the five-timers club, we stop counting. Um, so, unfortunately, this, this may be your 12th time on the show. I'm not sure anymore. Um, I believe it's either numero siete or ocho. That would probably be right. I feel like I would have to, I'd have to listen to it back and I'd have to, I'd have to, oh, I have to do research and whatever. I do enough research for broadcasting. I don't want to do research for my own show. That'd be, that takes up time, pay in and work. And I'm, I don't know, this pandemic's made me lazy. Do I get a, uh, sweater? What do I get when I get to 10? I don't know, because we never gave anything to Harrison or Thomas when they got to time. We just gave them the shirts and said, you're part of the five-timers club, even though you both pretty much doubled up on it. What about a uh, silver stick? What do you think we're made of here, money? We, you've, you've seen our numbers. 
I, I got this. Yes, I have a nice microphone and a stand. That's because the microphone I got for Christmas, the stand was an Amazon one. Heck, you couldn't even afford to keep your brother. Oh, gosh. Well, that's because of the fact that he got a job or whatever. And what am I supposed to do? Tell him that, you know, hey, Alex, you have to stop your full-time job and you have to stay with us here on the show. What do you, what do you want to do? job i wouldn't know anything about that right now you're, you're telling me i have two part-time jobs one is going to be ending here in about two weeks the other one phone call away from getting fired let's be honest oh that's nice <laughs> that's that's a great way to end out your show man exactly <laughs> we were talking about paid turns in the play-by-play broadcast for alabama huntsville talking minors with the rando is next thank you all for watching this abbreviated episode of the q 12 ounce sports we'll see you next time Woo-hoo.